G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As we do on a Monday, love to catch up with Martin Isles, the National Director of the Australian Christian Lobby, on the issues that are confronting us now. Martin, special welcome along to 2020. Good morning, Neil. Good to be back. Martin, let's start with one that is, uh, I said, a red-hot issue right now. Uh, In fact, a rift has reportedly emerged in the government over privacy concerns around the new COVID-19 app. Uh, You've got the likes of Barnaby Joyce, who's expressed concerns around this tracking app, and he says uh, that he treasures the government knowing as little about him as possible. What's your take, Martin? Um, I think that's probably a fair comment. Uh, I don't think that liberal, democratic governments track their citizens on this scale. Uh, I, I don't think they should. And I think that there's a very strong um, ideological reason why they shouldn't, uh, which is that once you do it once, and once you start thinking that that's acceptable, um, what does it mean for uh, softening up us or softening up future governments for doing the same thing for smaller and smaller reasons? Uh, And I don't... uh, It would be one thing if if, if this was a cataclysm of, of, of incredible proportions and there was no other way, but I just don't think that's the case. Um, far be it from me to look to Jacinda Ardern in New Zealand for inspiration, but actually she's had a much better idea. She's just said, look, everyone be mindful of your movements and maybe keep a diary if you have to keep a diary uh, so that if it, if it so happens that you need to know where you've been, you need to know who you've talked about because of the health issues, you have a record and you can let us know or you can let the, health pe- the, the hospital know or whatever. I think that's a far better way because the diary is private a diary is something you can destroy if you want to. Uh, a diary is something where you can record it on your terms and then it's available to use if you need to. Uh, that seems to me to be far more sensible. And I also don't see that the need has been made out uh, in this respect. We're in a situation where everybody's going, well, it seems like we're getting on top of the virus. Uh, daily infections are dropping and dropping and dropping. Certainly where I am in Canberra, I think there's been basically none for quite a number of days now, no new ones. Uh, and so the government then comes out and says, well, now we have to do something which is actually quite extreme, which is track your every movement every day uh, and keep a record of that data. Uh, and um, and, uh, and, it, and it comes now as the virus seems to be under control. I think a lot of people are sitting back and going, why? Um, you know, the, the need hasn't been made out. I think there's far better ways. And again, I say liberal democracies don't track their citizens like this. It's just a terrible idea. Well, from what I understand, the minister responsible, Stuart Roberts, says the app doesn't do geolocation. And in fact, it's, uh, it's not really locating you wherever you are. But from what I understand, the government can already do that geolocation if we have our mobile phone on us anyway. Uh, also, as I understand, the app is gathering data and you can delete it any time. So this whole idea of it being an optional thing, and the Prime Minister did backtrack over the weekend where he was having a plan to make it a mandatory thing that people would download this app. Uh, he's backtracked 
on that to make it sort of, you know, an, an optional idea. Uh, but there are some, some issues around it. Some people will be just embracing this. Uh, but really, I can hear in your response there, Martin, uh, giving up some freedoms a little bit too easily here. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the concern for me is not that Scott Morrison is going to, you know, become some totalitarian despot or something like this. Like, I don't think that the government has any bad intention here. I really don't. Um, and uh, I understand that a lot of the data that they will be able to, to glean from this app is data we probably give up in other ways um, without probably knowing it. Um, but we do that on a selective basis, and not all of us do. Um, so I understand uh, that there's... I don't think that there's an immediate and present risk of something horrible happening. But my concern is for the precedent that it sets. Uh, you know, if you do this once, it's easy to do it again. The other concern I have is uh, when coronavirus ends, uh, what's to be done with the data? What's to be done with the infrastructure for this app? There's a lot of changes that have taken place over the last month or so. For example, in South Australia, they've passed laws which allow the police commissioner to break the law on pretty much any basis uh, in order to uh, take actions which prevent coronavirus spread and so on and so forth. But they've given him very, 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 very wide powers. And I sit back and I go, well, there's no sunset clause in that legislation to say when the virus is gone, his powers will disappear. There's no sunset clause as I can see it with this app to say, well, actually, we are going to destroy the app and the data as soon as the virus is under control. Uh, and that's one of the concerns I have, is that these, these changes all need to be wrapped up, ended and, 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 and done away with as soon as the virus is under control. And the other side of it is I go, what's the precedent we're setting for the future? How easy is it to do this again? Uh, and, 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 and how much can we cut away at the threshold over time uh, that triggers the need to do this? I would much rather they sat back and thought on a principled basis, perhaps as a less invasive way, a way that doesn't set such a bad precedent to do the same thing. And I think actually Jacinda Ardern's got a great idea. Be mindful of your movements, people. Keep a diary if you have to. I mean, I certainly keep a diary of my movements. I've got it. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, and that's available to me. And I can share that on, on, on my terms if, if it needs to be done. And as you say, and I suspect this might be the case in some other nations uh, where there is a much more significant death toll uh, to COVID-19, then, then there might be a different way you might think about it if it was going to be a useful solution. But from what I understand, the app would collect four things, name, mobile number, age and postcode and of course then if you confirmed positive for the virus uh, the information that's collected would go to a secure national data store uh, but as you say martin isles uh, there's no sunset clause here so when things start to get back to normal you've got the app on your phone you take your phone to church and what's being recorded basically is everybody who's going along to church with you because you're in close proximity. What are your thoughts for, you know, I'm, we're speculating here, but your thoughts, if this does go through and the sort of data that's being collected, it's going to be useful for those, if it gets into the wrong hands, uh, for those who might be on a church leadership team or people who are in a church youth group or, uh, importantly, if those who are gathering at a home meeting. Uh, all sorts of issues here. Yeah, one of the things that um, I think is useful background, so somebody like me is aware of this fact, which is that data is exceedingly valuable. Uh, that's even true for an organisation like the Australian Christian Lobby. 
the more data we have about people, the more um, the more professional we can be about the way we do our political campaigns, the more effective we can be in our messaging, uh, the more we can understand how to motivate our supporters, the more, you know, data is incredible. I mean, and the things you can discern about somebody from basic facts like where they shop, uh, what denomination they are, uh, what their favourite colour is, what brand of, you know, uh, of, of, of tooth floss they buy. It's incredible what you can figure out from having data points. And it doesn't matter how, cra- how, how unusual and obscure the data point seems to be, there's organisations out there everywhere that are hungry for this information and they will pay big bucks. Uh, and um, an organisation like ACS really loves to have data we want more and more and more data. So we're always concerned that we don't get carried away with that and we don't start you know, pushing the envelope too far and purchasing data from the wrong places and being invasive. And we're always mindful of that and we, we take a very, um, a very conscientious approach to the way we, we, do, we do gather data. We make sure it's always totally voluntary. People know exactly what they're signing up for. They know how and when they gave us the information. But uh, I can tell you there's companies all over the world, including big, big companies, including companies that you ideologically might not agree with at all and might have management uh, uh, principles that are, that, are, that, are, that are not great. Uh, and, and they're just thirsty for this stuff because data means money for them. Data means power for them. And so this data uh, is something that, um, that governments also would love to see and they would love to see it for a range of reasons. Uh, and so the value of data is one of the things in the back of my mind when I think about this. If the data is stored, if the data is available to people, if the data has not been destroyed, if the app has not been disbanded at the end of the coronavirus pandemic, there will there just will be a lot of people who are sniffing around going, hey, I'd love that data. Who's got the data? Where can I buy it? How can I find it? And what legislation can I change to get a hold of it? Um, and that's the concern. Data is, is money. And um, that's why I think an app like this is, is probably just a bad idea. And just before we move on from here, Martin, as Christian believers, uh, different people have different perspectives on biblical prophecy fulfillment, but we are not uh, ignorant of the fact that in the Bible, uh, the book of Revelation, there are all sorts of Uh, things that are mentioned there that might give us some concern about the way that data might be gathered, Uh, this idea of the number of the beast and those sorts of things that are very much a part of a biblical prophecy. And some people have got uh, some balanced ideas. Others are a little more extreme on their ideas about those things. But we're uh, we're not ignorant about those privacy issues because they are prophesied in the Bible and not to... Uh, to downgrade the forerunner in all of this, uh, where in China the surveillance of Christians, because Christians are seen to be in some way subversive, uh, where they're using all sorts of tracking methods, including facial recognition technologies around people who are meeting in churches. This sort of thing would make us nervous as Christian believers, especially when it comes around these issues of privacy. Yeah, I think one of the things is that uh, a lot of people can see where this could go. Um, and I suppose, um, you know, whether that is looking at places like China where it's gone too far and indeed many other countries around the world, or if that's looking at um, uh, yeah, some of the authoritarian control and, and, and whether that's looking at biblical prophecy or whatever, people see where this could go. Uh, and I think that that's the concern. And again, I don't think that Scott Morrison's a problem. 
uh, in that respect. I don't think that the present government in Australia is a you know totalitarian in waiting. I just don't. Uh, although, you know, some of the state governments have, you know, a few more of those elements in them. Uh, but the problem is, what does this mean as a precedent? Uh, what does it mean for next time? And also having that data sitting around in government servers or whatever, uh, or available to be retrieved into government servers. Yeah, it's just a little bit too, of a bridge too far for me. So what I'd say is I certainly won't download it. Um, I understand the government's going to bring it in anyway. I'd sound that warning and say we always need to be ready to sound that warning and speak up and say, hey, 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 uh, you know, this could be too far because we need the government to be held to account. We need them to be thinking about these issues. Um, and so I certainly won't download it. I hope that it's completely disbanded uh, at the end uh, of the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, and I just hope that we have better ways of dealing with these things in the future. I could understand if people were dying you know, thousands a day, and we were absolutely in, in, in flat-out crisis, and the government was desperate. Uh, you know, that would be one thing. You'd start, to, you'd start to go, okay, I can see a really clear justification for this, and maybe it's just what we need to do under extreme circumstances. I can't see that we're there, uh, and so I think it's probably acting too soon, and I don't think that's a good idea with such sensitive issues. So we'll take that as reserving the right to change your mind if there were more significant circumstances. But right now, uh, for listeners, Martin Isles from the Australian Christian Lobby won't be downloading the uh, uh, the COVID-19 app. And uh, I think that's good leadership uh, from your uh, side of things, Martin, and appreciate that very much. Let me just uh, quickly, just while we've been talking about the Chinese Communist Party, uh, their handling of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, you've had a few thoughts to say about the World Health Organization and and uh, the influence of the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, what sort of things you've been talking about of recent times? Well, I was on Sky News the other night because uh, we've been doing some research at ACL into exactly what's going on here. I think people have a sense that the WHO have uh, mishandled the situation. Donald Trump has come out and said, look, it's a bridge too far for me, the way they've mishandled it. So I'm going to pull America's funding from the WHO for now uh, until they sort their house out, get their house in order. Uh, and that's a lot of money. That's their biggest donor. And, uh, you know, we've been looking into this. And I, I have to say, it's, it's, it's concerning. Um, it's very concerning because it seems to me that the Chinese Communist Party has incredible influence over the WHO from the very top. And that's part of the reason it was so badly mismanaged in its, in its handling of this pandemic. Things like, you know, the WHO was out there saying there is no human to human transmission uh, of this virus uh, as late as January the 22nd, when they knew back in mid-December that there certainly was human to human transmission. They were tipped off even by the Taiwanese government on December the 31st. But because the WHO is no fan of, fan of Taiwan, because China is no fan of Taiwan, they ignored it. But they knew that anyway before, before that date. Or the fact that they um, recommended against any travel or trade restrictions to China. Uh, and they were recommending that as late as February the 29th. And they had made public statements on about six occasions up until that point. No international travel or trade restrictions to China. Meanwhile, the virus spread right around the world. They even leveled veiled criticisms at America for imposing restrictions on February the 5th against WHO advice. Uh, and the director general was out there saying, oh, this is going to create stigma. You know, as if that's the that's the overwhelming issue here, and not not actually saving lives, um, and and all of that, people saw that and thought, why is the WHO parroting China's lines? Why are they mismanaging the outbreak of a pandemic, which is the whole reason they exist? 
Uh, why are they misstepping all the way? And it turns out that Dr. Uh, Tedros Ghebreyesus, who is the Director General of the WHO, uh, is in fact uh, from a communist, Marxist, socialist political party called the Tigray People's Liberation Front in Ethiopia. He was the government minister there, foreign affairs minister, health minister. That is a revolutionary Marxist party. It's listed as a terrorist organization by NGOs around the world. It was listed as a terrorist organization by the U.S. government until recently for political assassinations and attacks on soft targets and, uh, you know, some pretty, pretty serious human rights abuses and, 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 and it's actually one mass killing. Uh, and they exile um, political dissidents to Yemen, including journalists. Uh, this um, Tedros Chebrehesus, who was, was responsible for covering up cholera outbreaks in Ethiopia, which is a great thing for a, a WHO official, uh, not. And, uh, and also, um, just to prove sort of his ideological inclinations, when he became the Director General in 2017, he, uh, he sought to have Robert Mugabe appointed as a WHO goodwill ambassador. Uh, this is the dictator of Zimbabwe, whose people are in unbelievable poverty and is a, you know, he's a, he's a despot really or was um and uh that's the kind of guy running the show china funded uh, and and supported his push for the director generalship now he's in charge and the reason all that so concerns me is not just because of what it meant for the handling of this pandemic uh and the way in which lies and lies and lies were put out and it cost lives uh as is the sort of the communist way but because when I'm really concerned about the creep of communism into international institutions and even into some domestic institutions, because when communism comes along, uh, it, it's a very, very destructive ideology. It's an evil regime, in my view. Uh, and, uh, and we've got a situation now where Chinese whistleblower doctors have disappeared in the night and nobody knows where they are now. That's been happening to Christians for years. So Christians suffer when communism gains a foothold. And we see the communist influence spreading, and uh, I think we need to raise the alarm when that is happening. Everyone who loves truth, everyone who loves freedom needs to raise the alarm and raise their voice. That is happening in the WHO, a once great organisation that's done a lot of good, uh, unfortunately is now being crippled and is decaying. And, uh, yeah, that's a real concern, Neil. Well, it just goes to show it does matter who is in charge. And there is an influence that comes from the top down in these sorts of organisations. And I do note, too, that the Australian government has uh, sided with Donald Trump in this, uh, I think, probably in a, in a, in a, 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 a reserved way. But uh, to say they've got similar sorts of concerns uh, in the actions, too, of the World Health Organisation and sided uh, with Donald Trump. Martin Isles, just great getting your update once again. I'll point people to acl.org.au. That's the website for the Australian Christian Lobby, acl.org.au, for people to catch up on some resource. And I know that uh, you've got your uh, weekly uh, blog called The Truth of It and uh, you're, it's a vlog really, a vlog uh, where you're doing a video and uh, people can listen to you talking about these sorts of issues just as you do uh, on this update each week on 2020. Uh, Martin, thanks so much for taking some time to share your thoughts with us today. Thank you Neil it's always a pleasure. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.